Hey, Daddy Gang. Is that a good intro? I can't believe you just said that. That's, all right. Wrong podcast. Uh, I what the? <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> welcome back to Light of Red. Here we go. Um, today is the third. Um, we have a, several exciting things that we need to talk about with our listeners. Um, we're all very excited to talk about it too. Indeed. Um, we've got, we're going to do a quick preview, um, and then we're going to jump right in with football. Um, if you haven't heard about anything going on with football, you're in for a treat. Um, volleyball, huge on campus right now. And then we'll round it out with, um, basketball schedules. So very exciting stuff. Um, just to kick it off, we'll talk about women's soccer, um, they lost to the number one ranked team in the country, uh, North Carolina. They lost 4-0, but the attendance record was broken. Uh, 3,972 people attended uh, Dale Soccer Field. Um, and that was, you know, maybe because there were a lot of UNC fans there. there Probably. Definitely were a lot of UNC fans there, but it's still kind of a cool thing. There was a couple of uh, UNC fans yelling out their car at me when I was walking on Hillsboro. Like, yeah, they traveled attendance well. Attendance record, though. Attendance record. Yeah, um, so they um, upcoming they have two unranked teams on the schedule, um, Virginia Tech on the fifth, and then Virginia on the eighth. Virginia's at home. Virginia Tech's on the road. Hopefully, we can own that entire state of Virginia. Get Virginia. Both of them. I very possible. They're not like a vicious road trip. The women's soccer team really isn't that bad. They just they're not gonna win against. Good teams, basically, and then you know that's just how it goes sometimes. But um, like we brought up last episode, though, they are immune to road versus home. It's not like they thrive on the at home. They just they yeah. win either way. So yeah, we might be able to take both of them. Um, just a, a quick note that I had when I I was at that game. Um, interviewed uh, Coach Santoro. He didn't seem very surprised um about this one. So it was kind of refreshing because usually a coach will, you know, be super upset about. Losing, especially when the season's not going as planned, but he, you know, he took it in stride. I mean, and, yeah, Carolina's women's you know, team yeah, has been like amazing. You, you for can't, years. Really you can't really tear yourself yeah. down like that. Um, but it does. It is unfortunate that they couldn't really ride the momentum of the zero-zero tie against Duke. When the offense is still struggling, but um, in that UNC game, um, goalkeeper, she's a junior transfer. She transferred from uh, Louisville. Um, she made eight saves in that game. She gave up four, but she did make eight saves. She's working very hard. Um, she was thrust in the lineup after injury to the starter. Her name is Olivia Pertapas. She seems to be doing well, so we'll see how that goes. And then, obviously, Jamise Joseph has been the only bright spot um, on the team, and she had the only shot on goal. So the pretty much the only source of offense this season has been her. So probably why the scoring hasn't been where it needs to be. Um, and I will kick it to Patrick for men's soccer. Yeah, so we um, had a decent week. For the men's team had a win versus Gardner Webb, um, three to one. Um, that was a home win. Then we had a our first, unfortunately, our first home loss of the season to Notre Dame, um, three to one. Kind of similar thing of what you were saying for the women's team. You know, same thing with the men's team. I mean, you can't really expect to beat those type of t- good teams, but a little unfortunate, especially as the first home loss of the season. But um, um, coming up, we have on October 6th um, a home game versus Wake Forest as well as a home game versus American 
Is it American? Yeah. Okay. I don't, that's so. It's an interesting name, huh? Is it American like university? Is that? It might be. I feel like it's one of those you see in commercials, and then it's like you don't think it's actually real. And then American. Here we are. Oh, just like a generic, very commercial. generic college. No, it's versus every single American, like yeah. a good soccer player. That's who they play. <laughs> yeah, it'll be very tough, challenging. It's versus the national good team, luck. actually. Really? Oh, is that just America? That is American U. Oh, keep keep it going. Keep, keep, keep good. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have our golf men and women. Um, they're playing at the Blessings Collegiate in, uh, Invitational in Arkansas. Um, they're actually playing as we record this, so we don't currently have the results on that. But look out for those. Hopefully um, we win. Hopefully we win. Fingers crossed. Shout out Nick Matthews. Hopefully he can do some damage. And Vic. And Vic. Stud. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to everyone who watched and listened to last episode. <laughs> What's what we got next? Cross country. Mm-hmm. Cross country. Um, they just ran the Joe Pian Invitational in South Bend, Indiana. Um, the men finished first in the men's open five mile, and the women finished in first place for the women's blue five k. Um, I did not see a whole lot of individual standout performances, but um. Good that the team as a whole is doing well. Cross country is both an individual and a team sport. So picking up where they left off from last year and the women especially. So that's good. Exactly. Um, so that's about it. That's all we have for those um, sports that we you know we wanted to give them time today. But we have some bigger news on some um, football and volleyball fronts. So I will kick it to Stone because I know uh, you have a lot that you want to say about this game. <laughs> well, I think we all do. Um, but we can take the good news first from this game. Uh, one, the atmosphere was awesome. I think all of us were at that game. I just loved being there, even if the outcome wasn't what we wanted. Up until like the last two minutes, I was super hyped. The whole place was energetic. Maybe it's because it's a night game, and obviously we had the you know all black out there, and I, I just loved... The atmosphere, everything was when you score a touchdown, the lights, you know, when they went to red and everything, that was so cool. Uh, That was awesome. I love being there. And I think another bright spot can be for where we look at the defense because that was amazing. That was phenomenal. That was probably the best performance they've had this year. And this defense has been one that has been the top of the ACC the past two years. And I honestly think they just – have proven to maybe even done that for a third year in a row. Uh, Tony Gibson, who's the defensive coordinator, along with Dave Dorn, both got that side of the ball very good. Uh, run defense is not only the best in the whole ACC, but it's probably top 10 in the entire country, and that's not an overstatement. They statistically, and if you just watch them, have been awesome. Aside from like a Notre Dame game, they have been very, very good. Uh, Peyton Wilson is a stud. I know we all love him. He's so awesome. Uh, the D-line and the linebacking core is just so legit. Uh, I do think we have some issues on the back half, especially with Shaheem Battle, corner. He led up a good amount of catches. Uh, he had an interception in that game, which is kind of given to him. But even with that interception, he still allowed a 106 passer rating. God. So if he didn't have that pick, he would have led up a perfect passer rating. I feel like both of his picks um, was what quarterback just kind of tossed up in the air. They weren't very like, yeah. He <laughs> it was a lucky pick, yeah. um, <laughs> which gave us hope. But 
that was one thing I, I looked at and got away from. And I think people don't understand that this quarterback we brought up last episode, Jake Plummer, he was Isn't doing – Jack? He, or Jack Plummer, yeah. He's yeah. playing phenomenal before this game. The Louisville had the best offense in the yeah. ACC, and he had by far his worst game ever. Uh, and he had a worse game than Brennan Armstrong, as much as people <laughs> don't want to realize that. Statistically and just watching the game, he was not as good. Uh, I, I think a large part of that's also like how you're talking about before the atmosphere. If it was so loud, and you could tell he was getting flustered at the line with his calls, there was multiple times where he'd audible out, and then no one, no one picked up on the audible at all. And you have to go back, go to each, go to each receiver, offensive lineman, and update them on the play. And I think just that that atmosphere definitely benefited. But yeah, I mean, going from having the best offense in the ACC to an absolute blunder is definitely an encouraging side for the defense. Yeah. Well, shout out to the pack. We're the reason they, we made that environment happen, so that's good. Yeah. I, think, um, well, I think we touched on it last game. How was y'all's game day experiences? I think we talked about that in the Notre Dame. Where you, you said you said you were up on the um I think like, he was just in the general section, right? For this game I was I we had bought tickets with my friend and sweet mate and we uh went up. It was like nosebleed-ish. You have friends? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shockingly, I didn't know. <laughs> I just don't look like you. <laughs> you have him when you meet him like you know three weeks ago or four weeks ago but um we had just got nosebleed seats and then my parents they were able to get seats that were pretty close they were on the uh nc state side near their bench and they had two seats but the two seats that were also next to them were never used so for the second half i was able to go there and watch the game um but student section was awesome Everything else was was so sick. I loved it. And you said you sat in the press box as well. Yeah, this was um my second um game covering for Agromech this year, so I was up in the press box again trying to get those quotes, trying to get that media coverage. It's pretty chilly up there. That's like something that I'm I'm having to accommodate to. Like they keep it a cool like sixty five degrees in there, so I don't like that as much. But you're just like wearing like a sweatpants. Yeah, I, I brought a sweater. Okay. Um. It was a cool. It was a cool experience up there. I, the, I don't know. The the tough thing about sitting through that, is just, you can't. That energy doesn't penetrate through those glass windows. You know, the press box, we're yeah. isolated up there to yeah. an extent. You can hear a little bit of it, but not. But you're not getting the the experience. Um, I've only been able to go to VMI as a fan. I just got a Marshall ticket, so uh, we'll see if I go to that. Um, if I don't, I will definitely um, give it to somebody else <laughs> if if I go as press. Um, well, we can preview the Marshall game later, but yeah. that's a big game because there has been a change at the quarterback position, and obviously we can go into one of you can start. I don't care who. Well, I was um, going to say. With the offense from last game. Um, you're mention- you're mention- one of the notes that I just had watching that game was poor quarterback play. Yes. That was my big thing. And then, like you said, defensive, uh, the, the defensive effort for NC State was really great. And I just wanted to say um, Peyton Wilson was named uh, top linebacker in the ACC this week. Um, just a cool, deserving accolade. He had 10 tackles and two sacks. So um, we already gave him his, his credit there, but you know he's getting uh, recognition across the ACC, and you know that might translate into something more. Very deserved. Once he's done. With his time here, um, I had that same yeah. note. Just the, <laughs> I think I think we're just all just a, it's like a Peyton Wilson fan club on here. I think we're kind of we're on, on the same page now. <laughs> this, yeah, this is yes. a, I think this that's is for one now of the, one of the few things that we agree so on. So go and go into fan club. Go into the the 
the poor side. What do we disagree this, on of this game? Well, I uh, just start off with the with the poor side of this game because we know what it is. But yeah, well, I think I think know. also um well before we start dogging on Brendan Armstrong, well before we start disagreeing on that, I think one of the things that was also very um difficult to watch apart from poor QB play is I think the offensive play calling was also poor. I think you were you'd watch even though that you know. You could say some of the throws were questionable and some of his decisions were questionable. It seemed like so many times it was just set up for like QB short, draw. Yeah, QB draw. That's, I, short dis, I despise yeah, QB, QB draw, draw. Short routes, um, just things that aren't going to get us anywhere. Um, podcast favorite KC Concepcion. Where's he been at? Like, there's, there's he. You have a good game and then he doesn't get involved again. Like, I don't understand why. Um, the run Terrell game. Timmons Jr. Three receptions for seventy-one yards. That was really like the only. When I was looking at the box score, like the only real big offensive um, highlight, apart from well, don't that. let's not go back now. You're gonna make my point for me. Don't what's, no, no, what's, no, no, no. get into yeah, get into okay. the big deal. What's okay. the big What's the big okay. deal? What's so the big, big change? Deal. Big change. Um, the Armstrong benching, and before you before you you know think that I'm gonna side with you here, uh, Armstrong was a little bit abysmal. The 13 for 25, two interceptions, and a 13.7 QBR. Um, really never pushed the ball downfield. Like I said, that is that can be interpreted as you will. The play calling and coaching, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on there. But then also there were some times where there was receivers open and he just decided to look the other way. Um, if you go and look at his two sacks, um, especially one of his late-game ones, um, it seemed like it was self-inflicted, just a coverage sack um, after holding the ball for way too long um, when there was receivers open previously. Um, he finished the season or as for free benching, assuming that they don't switch back from NJ Morris, um, with five touchdowns and six interceptions. Um, so I, I do agree with what you were saying uh, before you make your point about how it may be the receivers and coaching fault for this game in particular. I think all season we kind of saw the same inconsistency, but I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your defense. Well, Griffin, do you have any input? Um, certainly. I think <laughs> I think the benching in itself comes I mean you can say a touchdown to interception ratio but the way the life was sucked out of Carter Finley when he tossed up that last interception to seal the game that in itself is benchable um I think that demonstrated how you know his decision making I'm not sure if he was trying to throw it to somebody or just out of bounds uh, if he was trying to throw it out of bounds, it shows, you know, weak arm strength, which is ironic because his name is Brennan Armstrong. <laughs> but uh, the quarterback, you know, you need to be able to throw it where it needs to be. Um, and then the whole dual threat thing, I think the offense is really structured around having a dual threat quarterback. I don't think he is that. I think um, he thinks he's that. And he's durable. Yeah. But being durable doesn't make you a dual quarterback. Yeah, it's, it's it's very unencouraging looking at the box score and seeing him being the leading rusher each game. And it's not like... It's not productive. It's not leading rusher, like he's doing something. It's that they're running that QB draw right. 10 times. And it's taking away from the actual run game, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously, he's not hitting his receivers. His receivers' numbers aren't where they need to be. That being said, Stone, um, what's your rebuttal of that? Because I know you're, you're an Armstrong loyalist. Well, I... Came in on the first episode of the podcast, and I was relatively optimistic. I made that aware, and so were both of you, because we all wanted to be. And even after last game or last episodes that we've been recording, there's been a little bit of 
you know, hesitation, but it hasn't been anything crazy. And then boom, we got people posting on their social medias about MJ Morris coming in. And uh, I think that... You're stalking my Instagram stuff? I, I think that... Uh, did you post your that? points? I posted, yeah. It was yes. Uh, he posted like <laughs> MJ Morris. It was him in like a spacesuit space or whatever. Suit, yeah. Yes, <laughs> I because I'm walking him, by and I see the signs on campus of where's MJ Morris? He's disappeared. I have Please never get him. seen. Obviously, there's like Instagram comments. Regardless when something bad happens, it's gonna be like bench the quarterback, bench the player, whatever. I have never seen an overwhelming social media campaign behind a sophomore quarterback. In my entire life, I know, which is like why this rebuttal—that's I mean, why this rebuttal is going to make it feel so much better because okay. it's a lot of casual talk that's going around there. So let me explain to you why. Was Armstrong poor? Yeah, totally, hundred uh, percent. The performance was poor in a clearly winnable game. That was so, like you said, I think you said it best. It took just the whole air out of the stadium. Like, every drive, you get the ball back after you stop the Louisville offense, and you're like, okay, all we need to do, we're at, you know, the 40-yard line, we're at the 50-yard line, we're at our own 40-yard line. Hey, can we go out and get points? And we barely did that. Uh, the last throw was very poor, and it wasn't poor as a throw. It was poor as a decision. He wasn't trying to necessarily get the ball out because that would be intentional grounding, which would be a 15-yard penalty back and a loss of down. He was trying to get to Rosner. Rosner was doing a curl, if you watch it, but at the curl, when he finished, he ran forward towards the line of scrimmage like a comeback route. A curl, you turn around and stay. So he was doing a comeback route where he ran, had a point like 10 yards down the field, and came back towards the ball. Brennan threw to where the curl would be, the stop, not where the comeback was. So when he did that, boom, pop fly. He was also doing it while he was getting sacked. Right, he threw so it off his back foot. Pop, pop fly in the air, boom, easy pick. I will say Rosman did have a chance to potentially knock it away, but it, it what you should have potentially taken the sack, got down. We didn't have any timeouts, whatever. It was definitely a poor decision. It wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen because there were other factors that led to that, but I'm not going to hear I'm not going to sit here and say that that was a good pass. Um, I just think uh, all of the issues that we are witnessing and that we want to go away, like I, I don't – all the fans think that when this new QB comes in, they're just going to go away, and that that's not going to happen. That's just not. Uh, the O-line was and has been horrible. They have a pass-blocking efficiency grade on the season – at 107 out of 115 eligible FBS schools. That is horrendous. That's among the worst offensive lines in any Power 5 school or even uh, other lower conferences that play Division One football. They currently have the most hurries allowed in the ACC. Left tackle Jacarius Peak is like the only solid option and he had his first game last week, so he hasn't even been being used up until then. So they finally are trying to switch around the offensive line, and it relatively worked because he was the only bright spot. The running game does not exist. And I know you guys were talking about Armstrong with you know the scrambling, uh, but even just looking at the running game itself, Armstrong has more than double the yards 
of the next closest halfback. So if he is scrambling, he's clearly getting yards and first downs. So I don't think I'm going to say he's bad for getting a first down on the run. You know, I, even if it's not his game, I don't want to, you know, lower him for that, especially when he has accounts for 40% of our total team's rushing yards. Uh, these runs, though, like you said, they're designed, not necessarily scrambles. So uh, <laughs> I agree we're doing these terrible design runs, but I notice how you guys pointed out the design runs. What's crazy is that he's first in the entire FBS in scrambles. So he's scrambling and having design runs, but these scrambling, like these scrambles are not necessarily just because there's receivers open and he's running. A huge majority of it is due to the receiving because guys are just not getting open. We don't have a great receiving core. Uh, even with the scrambling, the next closest guy behind him is five. He's at 30 scrambles in first place. Second place is five. That's the same difference between the seventh guy and the 33rd guy. So he's clearly above the mark in that category, which is obviously an issue on the O-line and receivers. I don't think it's really necessarily just on him because that was not the case while he was at Virginia. Of the top 15 quarterbacks who have the most rushing yards, which Armstrong is in, NC State has the least amount of total team rushing yards. What that means is that he is running and accounting for more running rushing yards than any other quarterback or team that has their quarterback proficiently run the ball. So all these other guys are running it because they're getting like they're getting help. He's running it and he's not getting any help. So even if they know a run is going to come, he's still producing yards from it. And like I said, this definitely comes from the boring and safe play calling, the offensive line, the overall talent of all the backs. I mean, I had said it last week. We don't have anyone that's meant to be a full-time back. They need to be used in three ways. And there's the three backs that we have. And they're not really doing that. It's funny you bring that up because I actually heard going back to the Louisville game, I had as my, my number one note, where is Kendrick Raphael? Where is he? Did he get a touch? No, I don't no, think I don't. he did. I, I think he's there. injured, actually. Really? I, I heard that. Is he? That might be why. I don't know if he was injured the whole game. Yeah, but, that's, that, it was um, bizarre. Uh, that's, that's why I brought it up, because if it was like two or three carries or something, and okay, but he wasn't even... I think it might happen in practice. But yeah, the the rushing... I mean, obviously we had the you know that one person leave, but that it just has not been good. Even when, even when he was there, we don't have to bring it up, <laughs> but uh, um, it's not been great. And the receiving has been even worse, ironically. It's been one of the worst in the entire country. Uh, they grade out, according to PP, uh, PFF, which is Pro Football Focus, as the second worst receiving core in the ACC behind Boston College. And this is a Boston College team that lost to NIU and got blown out by 30 to Louisville. We should not be on the same level as Boston College in any category ever. <laughs> like, ever. <laughs> Our receiving core is in the bottom 10 of NCAA football that's among teams like Wyoming and Navy. Navy doesn't throw the ball. All they do is run it. That's an issue. Being a top power five program, that is an issue. And there hasn't, like we said, been one consistent pass catcher. We talked about KC Concepcion. He had his breakout games and was quiet last week, but it's hard to rely on a true freshman to say, hey, can you come out here and produce reliantly every single week? 
as a 19, 18 year old just learning like to play football, that's not how you succeed at all. Uh, Terrell Timmons was the only receiver, as you brought up, that did anything last game. And he did nothing up until then. That was his only relevant game. You're not going to see him do it because he was terrible in any other you know, time that he was able to get there. No one can get any real separation. One of the receivers, Keon Lesane, his passer rating when targeted is 14.7. He is not a true receiver. He's like your running back slash just throw me screens and I'll run up. So my question for you, do you think this is, would you put more blame on personnel or coaching? Both. But if I look at it, I mean, do you think a quarterback can succeed when the play calling is, okay, we're going to do QB runs and scrambles. We're going to run it on first down up the middle every single time. We don't have the talent at running back, let alone to do that. Our receivers have the worst separation, and our best one is a freshman who is still learning how to even play this position. And the offensive line is having an efficiency grade of one of the worst in FBS. I just don't I don't see how anyone can succeed. Like it's really hard yeah. to dial up these banger plays, but I even then I still don't think they are being used like these receivers to their strengths. Like Lassane should not be going deep post. That's how he threw a pick. Armstrong had two picks in that game. One of them was catchable by Lassane in the end zone, and he didn't jump at all, and it went right over his head, and boom, right there for a pick. So his two picks could be relatively explained, too. One of them, like I said, was a poor decision, but I don't... I don't know. What I think is bizarre is that what we talked about earlier, and Griffin noted it, too, with the QB draws and just, like, very mind-numbingly boring plays if coaching is the problem Robert Nay is, is from Virginia he was responsible for Brennan Armstrong's best season and coming in well we keep saying that but what did he do there was a year between the year of Virginia and then this year I had brought it up in the first episode the year bef- like in between they had that shooting there, which obviously messed up a ton of stuff. He was, and they weren't able and to now he was not at Virginia when that no, happened. No, no, but uh, he his top receiver was a guy who switched from quarterback to receiver, like that season. Right. So he did, he had very bad receiving core even then at that year. But in 2021, he was very good. But that's that's the issue is that we were right. expecting that to come in so because he, the offensive coordinator just, just, was coming from. I'm this. just straight in the timeline here. Ane, so when an Ane, so he had his best year. Anai. Anai, sorry. You're he good. had his drop off year. Was Anai there? No. no. So then, but then wouldn't that, when, I know you said the shooting and also that the, the, the personnel wasn't as good, but I feel like if you take such a significant step back and one of the biggest things that the offensive coordinator is no longer there, wouldn't you make the argument that the offensive coordinator might have been responsible for it? You well, it's clearly could. not happening now. It, so. and that's, but that's what I was going to say. Because my so point, I don't think that. The thing is, is at, at Virginia, Brendan Armstrong was known for airing it out. And I'm looking at, I'm right here, I'm looking at a, um, an article coming into the season. Graduate transfer from Virginia is expected to air it out this season because because of the previous system run by offensive coordinator Robert. You said Anai? Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, but that what, what I don't understand is where is this getting lost in translation? Because if he's coming in with a new offensive coordinator that's supposed to have him air the, or he's going into a system with an offensive coordinator that he's previously worked with, he had a very good season with, and then he's also used to airing the ball out. 
I understand that the personnel is worse, but I don't see the the, the system the, the system changing completely is confusing. There has to be some serious regression from Armstrong that's causing this the system to have to change. Griffin, you were going to say something. You can go on before um, I respond. No, you're you're good. Um, <laughs> I think I mean that's a valid point. I just think as as casual spectators, not that I mean I would argue that maybe we aren't casual spectators, but um, sometimes there are little things behind the scenes that that we can't recognize. So I think to attribute Armstrong's success two years ago to the offensive system might be inaccurate at this point. That's how I feel. I don't know. I don't know. OCs and coaches, sometimes when you move them around, it doesn't translate. That happens in the NFL all the time. So it could be like we, I was going to respond. Like we don't know if, if maybe Dave Dorn is saying, hey, you can do some of this, but you can't do some of this. We have no idea what kind of influence he has at all. But I, I think it is, at least in my opinion, slightly towards personnel. Because even just talking about the receivers again, Armstrong is top 10 in drop passes. And of the 25 quarterbacks who have at least 10 or more drops, he has the third lowest turnover-worthy play percentage, which means that players are dropping his passes, but he's not chucking up these random terrible passes every single play or all the time. And like we said, he had his all-star year in 2021. Uh, his receiving grade, according to P uh, PFF for Virginia, was in the top 25. And his average depth of target was in the top 20. So he's, he was chucking a ball down the field, but he had relatively deep receivers. Even if he didn't have a star, he had relatively deep, which is why we were, you know, expecting at least something going into this year because we had receivers that had played before. It's not like these guys didn't play at all. We had two seniors that were like, okay, maybe these guys can do something. Rosner comes over as a transfer. KC has obviously been the best, but like I said, I don't think you can rely on a true freshman to do all that stuff. Um, but even just the casual mind, I think when things aren't going right offensively for a team, the easiest thing to switch is the quarterback. And I'm not necessarily saying that they should have just done nothing and run the same team out there because I don't think you can – I agree that I don't think you can go after that Louisville game and say, all right, we're just going to do the same thing because that did not work. Uh, but – I, I, I don't just really MJ. It sounds like I don't like MJ. I don't dislike him. He's very young and he could be good maybe in the future, next year, the year after. I just think it's showing that they are looking ahead of this season, that they're they're going to look past this year. And I don't think it, you can really lead to success when you're five games into a year and you're essentially saying, hey, we're going to switch out from a quarterback we got transferred and literally brought his offensive coordinator just so that we could help him five games into a year to say, hey, we're punting and we're looking towards next year to bring in MJ Morris, who, you know, he had good stats. It's just, you know, <laughs> this, I, I don't think he, if he's going to come in and do so much better than Armstrong did with all the stuff I had just brought up about the whole team. I mean, I, I don't know. This, this is a guy who is going to come in and he had what? Uh, 59% completion percentage last year and his best game was against the Virginia Tech defense which was one of the worst in the ACC last year 
and both of his games he played were at home. He's never played or started a real road game. Going to have to do that against, you know, the future road games that we have coming up. So Virginia might, Tech, yeah, ironically. <laughs> which is funny. Yeah. Um, But I think it's Wake Forest, potentially another. That's at home. Or uh, There's a road game that we play versus a good team in the future. I don't. I can't remember who it is. But um, most th- of the good teams are actually at home. We, ironically, we uh, Duke. At Duke is on the road. Duke, right? But they just lost. But their they quarterback. did just lose their quarterback, so that might help them a little bit. But I, I think, it just seems like we might essentially be moving on from the season, which I think kind of sucks. Um, and I just don't think that you know, while MJ may be good in the future, I don't know if he's going to come in right now and really change the entire offense. Um and do what people think he's going to do. Yeah, that's that's valid. Um, my only rebuttal to what you have to say, I think you made some great points. Um, I think Arm- Armstrong probably shouldn't have been brought in, and that's easy to say in hindsight. But I think Morris showed um, a lot of potential last season coming in after Leary went down, and I think fans kind of really clung on to that. And so... You don't forget that. You don't forget those emotions and how he helped win some games and obviously um, didn't stay healthy enough um, and Ben Finley had to come in, but um, he definitely deserves a chance and I, I like that the fans are behind him. Um, Dave Doran in his post-game press conference mentioned he needed to look at the film before saying anything concrete and obviously after looking at the film, he felt like it was time to make that decision with Armstrong. Um, I don't know. Like, I, Dave Doran is a good coach. It hasn't been going right the last two years. Dave Doran is a defensive coach, and it clearly and, shows. Yes, and I think that also— For good and for when bad. We were talking about the—you um, said before how much Doran is maybe in um, his ear, um, an eye's ear, and, like, giving, like, how much— say you can have I'm not for play calling and stuff but conservatively and stuff like that I think that's a really good point because he might as a defensive coach when it's been noted in the past that occasionally state will get very conservative in terms of offensive play calling and just how we run things which is why I don't I'm scared he's having some sort of influence because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm definitely (laughs) not gonna jump off my high horse and I because I because I do think Brent Armstrong's bad and I am very high on MJ Morris but I will agree in that sense, that I think that Doran may be kind of putting his foot in the door a little bit and interrupting what the system that Armstrong and I had previously run. But to Griffin's point, like as you were saying, if I'm Doran and I understand that, I probably would do what I did and go say, hey, this is a quarterback who, when he was with this offensive coordinator, had stats that were right there with all of these other quarterbacks that literally got drafted into the NFL in 2021 and i don't know that's unfortunately we can't say for sure like i i don't feel like there's one place to point of like hey this is why that's why i have a ton of different reasons but the coaching reason is just the one that has the most speculation because we can't say yes doran had too much input on the offense but i will say a lot of stuff shows that what was happening in virginia was not necessarily the case that's going on right now and personnel, I think, and I also agree. You both said that personnel is also a, a big, a big thing. I think we simply just, as of right now, this receiving room is too young, and we don't have the personnel to do it. Because you noted earlier, um, the personnel at Virginia in that 2021 season was very good 
for downfield um, pressure. And I think, I mean, I was looking at it. They had Dontavion Wicks with 1,200 yards and nine touchdowns, and he averaged 21.1 yards a catch. Um, and he's now in the NFL. He was drafted this year. He's actually now in the Packers. I mean, the only guy we would have but, uh, would be KC, and he's a freshman yeah, again. So the, so I, I would, yeah, I think that the number – I think our, our expectations for Armstrong may have been inflated. Maybe. I don't know. Purely because – Maybe. Of, I think – before we move on to the next thing, I, I think that Virginia in 2021 might have been a perfect storm for Armstrong, and then we moved him over to here, and then I think our expectations should have been tempered a little bit. I guess. Now we're paying the price. I don't know. Just for my final thoughts, I don't, it's just – is a new quarterback going to fix the three false start in a row against Louisville? Your, your and they're chanting for MJ. I mean, is he going to fix that? I don't think so. Is the new quarterback going to fix the drop issues? I don't. Maybe. Got his draft. Maybe suddenly they just like they like him and they want to stop dropping the ball. <laughs> uh, will he fix the run game, which now, by the way, is going to lose ninety? Is going to lose thirty-five percent of its total yards? Because MJ Morris had 2.3 yards per carry last year and four fumbles in the two games that he started, so I don't, I don't know. He might. I I hope he's good for the future, but I just don't know if that's the best thing right now. And yeah. these fans that are cheering for it, I don't think they understand what they were talking about. Yeah, um, definitely death by a thousand cuts with this football team. Um, but whether you know whether you are an Armstrong supporter or you want MJ Morris in here. The reality of the situation is MJ Morris is in, and the kid deserves a chance, and that's just where we're at. Um, so yeah, and and also um, I wanted to mention there was a three-star receiver that just decommitted from UVA. Um, his name's Christian Zachary. He just had an NC State visit, so it's kind of relevant because we're Please. talking about all this receiver needs <laughs> crap, and immediately <laughs> we might we might have a freshman next year to help out whoever is quarterbacking a team. Uh, let's talk about this volleyball win. We, we're very excited to talk about this with you guys because, um, this, I mean, this is my opinion, but it's, I think most people would agree it's, it's the biggest win in program history. Um, volleyball has never beaten a top five team. Um, and so this was the first time that happened. I think the only other time that's happened is they beat a number 10 team. So, and it's been a while. Uh, so this was this was a huge win. It happened very recently, um, and I I got to be there. If you if you were there, I don't know if either of you guys were, but it was electric in there. People really wanted to come see that. It was on a Sunday, so I'm sure you guys were watching football. But don't do me like that. <laughs> da, 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 da. But <laughs> this is this was the place to be. Reynolds Coliseum. Um, just general thoughts on that. Yeah, so. no, that was. I would have loved to go to that game. I was going to, and then I I actually didn't have football. I had to go do something um, else, and then I was semi-watching it. But, yeah, they. I would agree. That's definitely the biggest win that they've had for sure in program, which is why, you know, <laughs> props to us. They laid it red on the, they the tower. So the name comes great to reality. For us. Light it red. <laughs> there we go. Perfect there. Um, and they don't do that. They don't do that for volleyball. Not often. No. Yeah. This was – I think the first time in like eight years. Just deserved. Totally. Absolutely. Beating a t- the top well, team like that. Well, the other two, you know, the I guess football isn't going to probably getting no. the <laughs> tower lit right. I don't, I don't so. know if being Marshall is going to really no. light up the tower there. So, yeah, volleyball. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, they did great. Uh, they ended up having double Louisville's hitting percentage, 
Uh, they also had 10 more assists, which that pretty much just means that we're playing more, you know, like a team rather than just relying on one or two individual people. There was a person on the Louisville, Ellie Glock, who had 95% of their assists. Said Glock? Yeah. I got you. We Not my a- name, buddy. All right. <laughs> but she had 95% of their assists, meaning it's all going through her. So we. Yeah. What <laughs> number was she? Do you know? No. 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 I would. I didn't make make note of her name, but <laughs> but she had all the assists, so clearly they're not spreading it around as much, and they're relying on one person. So, I think mm-hmm. that's a good sign that we're not we're a team. We're not just one person, and that's something that's great for them. In it's volleyball. outrageous that we're not ranked, though. I mean, and then we also we entered the game um, twelve and two, so this wasn't like it was like we're a bad team that got a fluke win. Um, there's no reason. Didn't, I think you said the other day, we're like what. Third yeah, we're we're currently in the top receive. We're in the other receiving votes receiving in the votes. top twenty. So we're thirtieth, and Louisville dropped from five all the way down to six. Yeah, I, I just like I don't. <laughs> they just they drop one spot. I just don't get how that works. Like this, we were twelve and two team. You beat a top five team, and they go down like that. Doesn't like I th- a, volleyball maybe is it di- like is it significantly different? Because I'm it's it it's might a be long schedule. it might be heavily yeah. that, and it also might be heavily reliant on home versus away. Like they might say that it was a. Home, like it was, an, it was an away loss, so they're like, "Oh, it's okay." If it was a home loss, maybe it would have been yeah. worse. I don't know, because I know we're we're currently four and one on the road, um, and we're undefeated at home. Uh, and that first loss was like one of the first games. It was of the one of the first games of the season. So working uh, stuff. It out. was, you know, a blowout loss to Utah, who's currently seven and seven. But that could have just been getting the jitters out first few road games. I think it was a fluke. I watched yeah. that game, you know. It was a road trip in Utah. They were in Utah for like three days. So, so. I'd, I'd say high hopes are definitely warranted for all this stuff. We have Miami, who is 10-4 and four next. We are 5-5 five and five in the last 10 matchups that we've played against them. They are currently on a three-game win streak, having beaten Virginia Tech, Duke, and UNC. This is at Miami, and then we are also at Florida State, who's 10-6, and six, and they are currently on a five-game win streak. Our all-time record versus them is four and thirty-four, and we are seven or we are three and seven in the last ten matchups. Oh. But two of those three games have been the two most recent times we've played them. So I think we are clearly hitting our stride, and this would be big because this is our first really major ACC road games. So if we can come away with two W's there, we will for sure be ranked by then. Yeah, conference play didn't. Start that long ago too. So, like you said, Patrick, this I mean, we're not ranked, and then this is this is the prove it. Win these two road games, prove it, and then Pitt, Pitt is ranked. They're on the schedule in a couple weeks, the twentieth. So there are a couple of games between then. Um, I think Wake Forest is one of those. So, a couple of uh, easier games, and then you know if you win those tough games, then that's I think when you move in and you start getting some. Attention and people are going to have eyes on them too because Louisville is is one of the best teams in the country. Absolutely. Um, couple quick stats from that game: Amanda Rice and Ava Brizard, they're the two the two best um, scorers on the team. Two of the best players defensively and offensively. They combined for thirty kills. A uh, team had just a little bit over fifty kills, so that's thirty total. Um, they also have Madison Williams. Uh, she is a she's in her second season here. She's a transfer from Texas. Um, she's dealt with some injuries and has kind of had a coming of age season here. She had 11 kills in that game. That was um, the third most on the team, and 
she, I think, is a, is a key reason why this team is actually able to win these matches. Because Rizard and Rice were on the team last year, and they didn't do that well last year. Like, those two girls did statistically well, but you bring in these bench pieces that really tie it all together. So Williams and then sophomore Courtney Bryant, she's getting a lot of digs and kills, and she's been thrusted into the starting lineup this year. She didn't play... Um, she played in three matches last year. She's starting this year, and she's killing it. So, Which I think only goes to show more about the team aspect that exactly. we were talking about. You have your two stars, maybe even three. You can say Jada Allen's a star. Um, all They can all play the net, block, hit it really hard. And then you got those other girls on the floor that can support that. And you don't have to worry about where the ball is going to land because you know that they're going to go get it. They have Kristen McDaniel. She... She had a great game, too. Her stats don't jump off the page as much because she's not playing at the net, getting kills. Um, but she had 28 assists and 14 digs, both team highs. So her and the defensive specialists on the team are kind of anchoring the back end of the floor there, and then that's keeping the ball alive and setting up Rice and Brizard for those kills. Yeah, Brizard currently in the top 100 for kills per set. Um, so she is definitely killing it. Team's killing it. Um Definitely a good time. Should be paying attention to volleyball if you're not already, because that's probably the best sport we've got going right now. And that's NC not State. a, you know, that kind of sounds like a bad thing when you say it like that, but um, I think it's well, a just cool for the thing. people who like for football, only fans? follow football. Yeah, yeah. Like if you want to see success, if you want, if you want to yeah. see success, go ahead and go stop by and watch all of the volleyball home games. I'm a stone on that. And learn players. So that's pretty good. And, and then cool to too. end it up, huh? No, they're cool people too. I just sure, I got yeah. to talk to them after the game and they were stoked. And actually, Rice is the girl I interviewed after the game, and she said um, she was talking about the road trip, and she was like, you know, FSU, Pitt, Miami, these are great teams, but they should know we're coming for them. Good. And I was like, okay, all right, good. We'll try and get one of them on the episode for the, sh- uh, the podcast. <laughs> that, that would be cool. That would definitely be cool because they are killing it for sure. Uh, now, for the last segment, we're going to get into the schedule release for basketball. They currently, it was actually, we were recording the last episode, and right when we were done, they ended up releasing the schedule for basketball. Uh, so we are just quickly going to go into, you know, some slight record predictions slash maybe a season outlook, just some games to potentially pay attention to, and then we'll each go over one player to watch for the upcoming season for basketball. So, Griffin, do you have a game or two that you think we should be keeping on the radar? Yeah, I was looking at the schedule. Um, this obviously is for men's basketball. And I was looking at some of the bigger games, and then I saw Virginia on that schedule. And, man, Virginia just gets under my skin. They play Their brand of basketball is just so defensively minded. And that is definitely not the wrong way to play, but it just really grinds my gears when they, they hold us to 50 points. That's what they did last year. So I, when I saw them lose to Furman in the first round of the tournament last year, I was pretty pretty joyous. Wonderful. That was their fault, too. Like, they totally blew that. Um, so that game's on January 6th. Uh, I want to see more offense from us, and I want to see us push them to their limit. Yeah, Tony Bennett's teams are normally very good defensive-minded. Uh, they did lose a ton of people 
Uh, the team's completely different. They have five new transfers and two new freshmen, uh, but they've been top two in the ACC eight of the last 10 years. Then we are going to get into some of the most important games that we have for the schedule. Griffin already brought up Virginia. There's a few more that we're going to dive into. One that I know, Patrick, you wanted to bring up, uh, probably our first real challenge is going to be at Tennessee. This is a team that made the tournament last year and do have their guard duo of Zakai Ziegler and Santiago Vescovi back on the team. Yeah, so I, that's that was one that I had. Um, it's going to be a home game on December 16th, and like you were saying, it is going to be our first real test. Um, up until then, we play Vanderbilt and then Boston College. So there's really no real games leading up to that that are going to be a real test. That'll be the big one. And then after that, we dive heavily into ACC play. So that's definitely going to be my big game. Um, obviously, you know, we could say Chapel Hill, but I feel like it's a little bit too boring of an answer. So I'll, I'll go. Yeah, no, that. that's good. It's not a regular ACC game. Yeah. We It's not an opponent we've really been familiar with. Um, again, they – had some injuries last year, still made the tournament, did very well in it. They're a top 10 team currently, so that'll be a formidable opponent. Now, we have been playing with you guys. We had someone under the table hidden the entire time. You just had no clue. <laughs> and she's going to go over some stuff for basketball as well. All right, I'll just jump in. My well, name's Hallie yeah. Walker. Um, I'm the academic photo editor here at Student Media, um, and I'm a senior staff photographer. And a big basketball fan, so um, I'm excited to join in for this part of the podcast. Um, I first want to talk about my player to look out for, which is going to be Casey Morsell. Um, he's entering his graduate year, which is going to be his third season with NC State. Um, last year, he started all 34 games. Um, he averaged 11.8 points, 4.4 rebounds. Uh, he had 38 steals. Um, so his average in scoring, his average scoring and rebounding has been consistently uh, rising with each season. Of course, that comes with more playing time, but um, it's still something that stands out to me um, as he has just continued to get better since he's left Virginia. Like, thank God he's at NC State. Um, and especially thinking about the numbers uh, from that other players were putting up last season between. You know, Jarkel, Turquavion, DJ Burns, um, to see him have those um, higher stats is impressive to me. So I'm really excited to see how he's going to fit into this team with the uh, new transfer players that we've got coming in and the people returning. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely going to be an important piece of the team. I also know you wanted to potentially bring up some games that we have upcoming. What's your highlight for the games? For sure. So... I'm really excited for the Heritage game. Um, I think there's nothing like playing in the old barn. The throwback jerseys on. Like, those are my favorite jerseys. Um, it is going to be against a, I don't know, not, like, I don't know what you want to call this, a Maryland Eastern Shore. That's like a. Who? Yeah, exactly. Second tier, knockoff team, whatever you want to say. Um, against a nobody, they will be honoring um, David Thompson, uh, 1130 that morning. Uh, with a statue, uh, which I think is going to be really awesome. I'm really excited to be at that um, and hopefully to see him at the game later that night. Um, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, like we said in our draft, clearly the best pick there because he's getting a statue. So that's mm -hmm. very obvious. If you didn't listen to our draft of the best NC State players of all time. Uh, then the other games I just wanted to quickly bring up, um, obviously, you know, UNC, 
it's big every single year. It's not something that we need to necessarily freak out about because it's not this new formidable opponent like Patrick was bringing up with Tennessee. They're new. We haven't really played them. UNC, we play them every year. Uh, in terms of what they might look like this year, I, I still think you need to be worried. I know they fell off last year, but they still have a very good tournament-worthy team. Uh, RJ and Baycott are still there and potentially one of the best duos in the ACC. And it's kind of the same thing I feel with Duke. We are home against Duke, uh, ironically, because it's one of our last games of the season, so that is definitely going to be a bonus. We played very well and ended up beating them last year, but Kyle Filipowski and Tyrese Proctor are definitely right there with Baycott and RJ as two of the best duos in not only the ACC but the entire country. I don't know if you saw this, but when the schedule dropped last week um, on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, a lot of... uh, (laughs) A lot of Duke like fan accounts were tweeting about how scared they were to see Duke play at NC State and not have a home game at Cameron, which I thought was very interesting, considering they have, I think, all but one starter returning from last year. They had one person enter the uh, NBA draft. And he got picked in the first he, round. Yeah. Eric so, Lively? Yes. Yeah. No, they have, I think they have Lively and they Whitehead. have Whitehead, Derek Whitehead. Yeah. So they have there. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, but that that's going to be a really dominant team coming back this year, and so I'm excited to see him play at home, and I'm I'm definitely excited knowing that people are kind of rattled. Was that, that the last time they played? Was it at was the when they beat? Uh, you know, my Duke, bad. Yeah, yeah it was a okay. That's what win. I thought. That was right before COVID broke out. Yeah, that was yeah. when they were, uh, Duke was ranked number six, uh, and we knocked them off at home. So they're probably uh, not yeah. wanting to run that back. But then last year was it last at year Cameron? They, last year we lost at Cameron, but we won at home. We won right. at home. Okay. Yeah, I we, we won, won at home. Okay. We split. We yeah. Won. We split with them. We won big at home this year, this past year as well. I don't want to get everyone hopes down, but they're definitely much better than they were last year. Definitely. <laughs> they definitely. have four new, like recruits, and all of them are in the top twenty. Yeah. Uh, Big time. So that's going to be an issue. But um, other potential matchups that I think would be interesting, there's two games that I kind of highlight. Teams that were not as good last year that I think will be better. One of them is going to be Wake Forest. Uh, they picked up a Central Michigan transfer who's averaged 18 points per game, five assists, shot almost 40% from three. His name is Kevin Miller. They also have two transfers from Gonzaga. Gonzaga recruits very well. One of them is Hunter Silas. He's a former top 10 recruit. Another one is a seven-foot center, uh, Efton Reed, who is a former top 25 recruit. So Wake Forest is definitely going to be formidable. That's going to be a road game. Another road game that I think is going to be a program that's also going to be one to look at and be much better is Florida State. They have a mix of a ton of guys from different programs as well as just new freshmen coming in. They've been pretty lucky or they've been pretty unlucky the past two years. They've had a ton of injuries, but their team right now has six former top 100 recruits, three of whom are considered to be in the top 50, and the four transfer additions that they have have all had success as Division One basketball players at other programs. So maybe we always know Carolina and Duke are going to be good, but I think Wake Forest and Florida State are two teams that we should be looking for in both these games we have on the road and at home. So the road games will definitely be important if we can win those. Uh, now, just quickly doing a potential record prediction, uh, I would say to expect something between maybe a floor of 19 wins and a ceiling of 22 wins. If I were to give you a straight-up prediction, I would say maybe 21-11 and 11 for the regular season. Uh, I think we're definitely going to have to potentially win two games in the ACC tournament if we want to be able to get into the tourney. Last year, we 
won 22 regular season games and we went one and one in the ACC tourney, but somehow was able to sneak in as an 11 seed. And we didn't even have to play a play-in game. Pitt was the last ACC team who got into the tournament and they had to play a play-in game as the 11 seed. So maybe we could be in that position next this upcoming year. It just depends on how it goes, obviously, and it's impossible to predict that at this point. But um, I would say ideally we could expect a similar season to last year, but the team just be very different because I don't think we're going to be heavily reliant on one star guard in Triquivion like we were last year, but it'll probably mm-hmm. be a more balanced team that could still have the same success. Mm-hmm. Griffin, did you want to do your record prediction? Um, I don't really have a record prediction, but I think they'll win around 20 games. I think it's kind of, I had schedule. a, I, I'm definitely a little bit overly optimistic. I said 25 and eight. So it's definitely a bit of a cla- glass half full approach on that one. But outside, I think we're going to split a lot of games. A lot of people in the ACC. I mean, UNC, Wake Forest, Clemson, Syracuse, Miami, Virginia, Florida. I, we could drop games to all of them. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, but then outside of the ACC play, none of the teams really scare me. So 25 wins is extremely optimistic. But I mean, looking at the schedule, I mean, I will probably. I mean, Tennessee jumps out. Um, but outside of it, there's really nothing leading up to that. Maybe, yeah. I mean, there's really nothing else that really stands out. So I think 20 wins is a bit more realistic because we, you know, have some of those heartbreakers. Which I think we would take because that'd be a playoff. Yeah, that'd I mean, be I a tournament that's, appearance. Yeah, that's fine. So that's so good. I think, but I think maybe we, I think we should have a hopefully like, <laughs> a lot depends similar yeah. of an outcome as last year I think I'm, that's really realistic but I also I uh, think about seasons prior to this one and prior to I guess maybe the halfway point of last season of PNC being dead empty mm-hmm. um, I think that's definitely going to be something to think about I mean obviously that can't really you know it can only help the team so much but I expect there to be a big crowd starting off this season absolutely yeah. awesome Patrick or, I mean, Griffin, uh, you can get into your <laughs> one player that uh, you want us to take a look sure, at. Sure, yeah. Um, I'm excited about DJ Horn this season. I, I'm i glad that they went and got him. Different DJ. Uh, different DJ. Second Double DJ, DJ this year. Um, Horn is entering his fifth year, so he spent four years at Arizona State. They made the tournament last year. He... Uh, he led them, and they 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 were the 11 seed, so they had to beat Nevada for that um, first four in deal. I believe they did, and they also made. They did, and they were close in their first round matchup too. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, they lost to TCU pretty good in the first. They were the number six seed, um, but they they blew out Nevada, so um, kind of a s- similar situation to what we had going on over here. So um, he scored 20 points in that that play in game and averaged. You know, 12 to 15 points in those four years. So we'll see if he can kind of slide into that. I know he he said that he likes to play off ball a little bit more. So even though he's a little bit of a shorter guard, we'll see how he can slide into that role, especially with a very guard heavy situation right now. Like with Hallie mentioned, Casey um, should be a leader on the team, should be getting a lot of minutes. Um, and then DJ and then several other guys transferred in. So, um, I don't know if he'll he'll end up playing point guard a lot and dishing it out, or who will be doing that. If it's uh, McConnell, I think is the other transfer. Is that his McConnell? Yeah, we are. This upcoming team is definitely going to be heavily reliant on our transfers, which goes into my player I want to dive into perfectly because mine's also a transfer, and this one is probably the one that is the biggest wild card for this team. Uh, his name is M.J. Rice. 
He is a big body wing, 6'5", 215 pounds. He's a transfer. He committed to Kansas, University of Kansas, last year as a four-star, and he was a top-five player in California and was a top-40 prospect nationally, born in Durham, North Carolina. He's a big body wing who's a primary scorer and rebounder. He is able to score at all three levels. He's also very physical in the paint. He's not like this small Kevin Durant kind of frame. He's a little bit bigger than that. He's got limited time at Kansas last year, but that's because they were more so aiming for a national title and were kind of focused on playing their older wings, who they also had transfers, uh, which it was a very crowded position for KU last year. But now MJ comes to NC State, and he's going to be the starting three or the starting four. Uh, Like I said, I think he's the X factor or the wild card for this team. He raises the overall ceiling if he can produce at the level that he was projected to as a prospect. He averaged one foul per six minutes in the limited time he got last year, so that could maybe be an issue early in terms of learning how to really defend and not you know, create all these fouls. And Obviously, it's going to take him out of the game if he's going to be a starter averaging you know, six fouls a game. It, that's going to get you out every single game. Uh, so that might be an issue early, but like I said, we we have some easy games in the beginning of the season. We could easily go nine and zero or nine and zero, eight and zero, and he could take his lumps in that that early session. And I hope that he plays during that time because if he can turn it on at the end of the season, uh, that could definitely be the huge X factor for this team. Um, I'm Michael O'Connell is my mistake. I said I said McConnell, Michael O'Connell. <laughs> oh, Michael, just wanted to correct that. That's good. Uh, so yeah mine's mj (laughs) and we have one more player mr patrick so um i'm glad that we now have another dj burn believer on the or i wouldn't say believer i guess we could say also maybe idolat you said your goat so Uh, well i was referring to casey but i would call all of them my goat that's good uh, depending on the timing of the conversation that's key that's key but uh yeah i'm gonna go with dj burns for this one um i did take him I did. I did end up taking him in my um, all-time draft, um, but smooth operator, also known as, possibly known as big scrumptious. Big scrum. Big scrum. Big scrum. Big, big scrumptious. No, it's changed Both now. Work. <laughs> Both, Both work. Both work. So, Both do work. we have any like before I dive into mine? What is the backstory on that? one? All what right, all right. <laughs> I need to go ahead and clear this up for y'all because Please. y'all had me in vain at the end of the last podcast. <laughs> um, so actually, I can't. Fully take credit for Big Scrum. Um, Big Scrumptious is actually the creation of my at the time fourteen year old brother. Okay. Um, I yes. Why are yes. you here? Let's get him on. And he <laughs> I you know he honestly I called him and he was he was mad he was mad that you gave me credit. <laughs> so I told him don't worry I'll get on there I'll speak your piece for you. Need him. Um, not in as many words but you know so uh, <laughs> he is a fifteen year old kid. Um, but anyway. Yeah, so at the beginning of last season, I went home for the weekend. Um, I'd been covering basketball. Um, basketball is one of my favorite sports. Everybody watches, whole thing. And um, my sometimes my family will watch the game when I am working and see if they can spot me out on the court taking photos. Um, so I'm sure that my brother was victim to one of those sessions. Um, so when I went home for the weekend, um, I was fixing to leave, uh, come back to state to cover yet another basketball game. And he said, as I was on my way out the door, next time you're on the court today, before or after the starting lineup, you should talk to DJ. And I said, okay, what, what do you want me to say? 
He's like, I just want you to let him know he's big scrumptious. (laughs) 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 And you know what? Ever since that interaction, he's right. That's big scrum. And I can guarantee if DJ knew about this, maybe I should have told him when we met him last week, two weeks ago. Um, I'm sure he would embody it and have it on a T-shirt by tomorrow. I was going to ask, is he okay with this? Um, yeah, he he might <laughs> not nickname? know yet. Um, he might not know. It's very low key. It's yeah. It's all. It's the, not going to be now. It's not going to be now. But it um, was. If he ever happens to get a hold of this potential information, <laughs> yeah, and find out. I feel like I feel like DJ's just always. I've had two run-ins with him now. I told you guys I got a picture with him at the first football game. And then last week when I was walking, I don't know, I don't know if you guys saw on Instagram. I thought this was really funny. He had like posted on his story, "Does anybody have an extra Louisville ticket?" Yeah. And I was like, "There's no way." I was like, "There's no way this is like the star player of the basketball team, just just no ticket." And I was walking in, and um, I well, he was like walking. A couple people saw or talking to him, so I walk up to him and I said, "You ever get that ticket?" Did and you ask him if he was big scrumptious? I did not bring up. Well, that's a failure on, on your part. I feel like Patrick. I could. You I, failed big scrum. I feel like I might get an eyebrow raised at me or reported if I'm going. Patrick, on you, you, yeah. you failed big scrum. And I think you <laughs> you failed big scrum. And I think you've got to leave it to me because I'd say we're on a first name basis. Really? We're on a, you know, I could hit him up right now and he'd be like for sure. And then we could collab on a t-shirt deal. I'm not sure <laughs> what. He's just a funny dude. No, and then and he, oh, I was like, so you ever get it? And he was like, no. And then I was like, "That's unfortunate." And he goes, "Do you have one?" I'm like, yeah. And he goes, "Well, how much? You know, how much are we talking here?" And I was, and I was like, "Eh, I don't, I don't so know if he, I want to sell it." So you approached him. So you approached him knowing, and just hung him it? out to dry. Well, he, he then I oh. then we literally me, me and him walked oh, the same no direction. And I walked. I watched him just walk into the game. It's You're a bum. Matter. Well, you he said you're a bum. You said you could get him and talk to him at any moment. So your task. You want me to, to DM him? Your task to end this episode off, and we'll pick back up next episode. Is you're going to DM him. And we will get his input on the nickname that you potentially have for him, <laughs> and if and why Patrick left him out the dust uh, I, for his Louisville ticket. Can I at least, can I at least get into my like stats about him? No, zero. No, okay. honestly, not after the Louisville story. You don't story. get. You don't get a chance to do that. Uh, all right. So, anyways, so <laughs> DJ is coming up a promising season. Averages of twelve point five points per game, four point eight rebounds, one point five assists, fifty six point one uh, field goal percentage. Um, I would say with the loss for Quavion Smith, we're going to look for to turn to someone that's going to have a significantly increased offensive role. Obviously, we're not going to have a ball-dominant guard. DJ is not a ball-dominant guard in ball handling or size, fortunately. Not a shot at him. You said guard or forward? Guard or forward. I said we're not going to have a, a – like a. I don't think we're going to have a ball-dominant guard this year, so I think um, the forwards are going to get a lot. I'm not, I'm not calling DJ a guard. Okay, I was yeah. confused. Yeah, you're trying, you're trying <laughs> to catch me on words. No, I'm just saying without – obviously, at Traquavion last year, who was we a ball-dominant guard. We know you were doing wrong. But. So, <laughs> so now, now that we're not going to have that, the forwards just seem a lot more increased usage. Um, his back of the basket game is something that's been extremely efficient in the past, and hopefully off-season work on his um, elbow jumper will expand his game and open up the floor. Um, there was a couple times last season when there were some some conditioning issues with him. Had to get subbed out a lot of time just after long um, possessions. But I think another year in Keith's offensive, you know, summer or not offensive, sorry, Keith's just summer plan um, with workouts and stuff like that is going to greatly benefit him. I think obviously his size is something that helps him with offense and um, defense in general. But I think conditioning is something that will definitely benefit him in another season. But valid, yeah, he definitely is conditioning. I remember he had to go to conditioning at. He did. That's he, he had, had to, to leave he had us. To leave us to he go had to, to leave us at media day. Yeah. Well, at least he's working. He go. definitely yeah. is. He takes it very seriously. Um, before we close, Hallie, 
I know you wanted to talk to these women haters about women's basketball. I am so glad you brought that up. They might have talked about volleyball at the beginning of this, but do not let that uh, lead you astray. They are women haters. Talk about women's soccer, too. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I remember cutting it to you, and then you proceeded to talk about your player instead of talking about women's basketball. Yeah, I think we, we, we so, opened the door. You know, just, shut you well, shut it down, and then now did I'm that, here so. to fix what Open you guys have door. started. Yeah. yeah. So sorry if you guys can hear the flipping of her so pages. If you, sorry if you can hear the flipping <laughs> of my note pages. Yeah, I guess the I didn't get the laptop. The Google MacBook Doc laptop memo. memo was not carried across the uh, room. So no, a little bit of an odd one out here. Um, taking it back to basics. Um, so let's talk women's basketball. I am excited for this season. I am hesitant to say excited, but yet I still am. Um, I love NC State women's basketball, and I'm really interested to see what this season is going to turn out or how it's going to turn out. Um, we're actually going to have enough players to fill the bench, which <laughs> is super exciting. Um, yeah, last season, due to uh, early season and mid-season transfer. Um, quitters. Okay, I'm, I'm not calling him quitters. No, he's not a quitter. Uh, I mean, we're the women Well, haters. it was Sophie okay, Hart buddy. as well as Jessica Timmons. Or Jessica Timmons. Yeah. Um, so they left, and then also injury with um, Diamond Johnson's ankle, et cetera. We were short. Um, when it came to having players, uh, we were barely getting out on the court. So I'm excited to see. We've got a handful of freshmen coming in. We've got a handful of transfers coming in. And we've got, as well, a handful of returners. So we've got a good mix. I'm interested to see how they mesh together. Um, I do think it's going to be a bit of a rebuilding season uh, for this program. Um, but that doesn't make me any less excited. Uh, one player I w I'm interested to uh, look out for uh, it's going to be transfer Lizzie Williamson, um, who Griffin and I actually had a great time hanging out with not long ago for a portrait series that we're working on. Um, so that's part of why I want to highlight her, but also uh, she kind of jumps off the page for me um, in filling a role in this team. So last year she was the Western Athletic Conference Defensive Player of the Year, um, and with that she averaged 9.6 points, 10 rebounds, 2.3 blocks, um, but she had a total of 329 rebounds last season. Um where she played with Southern, Southern Utah. Um, so I'm ex excited to see how she kind of fills in that, I don't know, I don't want to say like the big man on the court, but essentially. Starting center. Well, yeah, but I want to see, like I, I'm excited to see how she fills that role. Um, yeah. And gets the ball, um, get, rebounds the ball. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with um, River Baldwin. No. I don't know if she's going to sure. start. I know Westmore wasn't a huge River Baldwin fan last no. year. I felt like she left me wanting – a whole lot more. Yes. Her and Camille Hobby both. Yes, Camille Hobby. Uh, yeah, I, so I'm excited to have <laughs> someone who can rebound, is known for yeah. their rebounding. And who doesn't hopefully bring the ball down to their knees after rebounds and get it swatted out of their hands. Correct. Basketball 101 right there. Yeah. Um, you and bring up how it might be a rebuilding year. Mm -hmm. Last year was the first year that they did not finish the year ranked it, since 2016. Yeah. That's like that's That's huge. Um, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping to see that turnaround for them. They also fell out of the ACC tournament, uh, the first game. Um, I'm ACC so sorry, I just NCAA? lied. Yeah, NCAA. they fell out of the NCAA, uh, in the first game. Uh, they only made it two games, um, in the ACC tournament. Princeton got them. Um, yeah, Princeton got them. Bad. Um, real bad. That was bad. Um, and they shouldn't have, which it is. It was one of the worst basketball games I've ever seen. Yeah. I think I decided to take, go to bed in the fourth quarter. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was pretty bad. Um. 
And with that being said, I am looking forward to seeing some of the games. I'm not sure how we're going to perform in them. Hopefully good. But um, UConn is coming to Reynolds for the first time since 2002 that we'll be playing them on NC State campus, which is really exciting. And we're going to see, like, an elite squad, Paige Beckers, AZ Fudd. Um, you know, it's going to be great. Um, for us, hard to say. <laughs> Very hard to say. <laughs> I think it's still be necessary for people to go just to view at least not if you you know obviously you want NC State to win but just to view that UConn team because yeah. I mean they have a complete dynasty yeah. going on year yeah. after year. It's yeah. UConn. It's yeah. UConn. Basketball. Are they always elite? For sure. Paige Beckers though she's back. Am I excited? Yes. Um, so I think that's going to be good. I'm also looking forward to play for K which is going to be against Louisville this year. Um and I'm interested to see how they fill that Haley Van Lith hole that they're going to have. Um, so I think that'll be a fun matchup um, later in the season. Yeah. You mentioned the UConn game. They mm-hmm. play UNC Charlotte right before that. Mm-hmm. That's the game I have circled on the calendar. All right. And Let's get into it. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I went to school there for a year. Mm-hmm. Oh, you transferred from UNC Charlotte? I did. Interesting. Yeah. After one year, my freshman year, we ended on bad terms. So anytime we get you the break up or something, you and the school, yeah, me and the school did not end on good terms. Mm. Was I it got the green expelled. or expelled? Oh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Burned down a building. No, no. The shade of green wasn't his color. Quick arson charge. I no, just it it just wasn't a good fit for me, and I, I mean, I miss some of my friends over there. But anytime I get a chance to to rub the NC State wins in their face, it's um a good time. Mm-hmm. So that. Is going to be fun to go to and see the the new players beat on these. Um, Second What tier. are they called? The Niners. Yeah. The Niners. Yes. So yeah, and then lastly, the player that I am, I guess you could say, excited to see is Sanaya Rivers, junior yes. guard. Has all the tools to be an elite basketball player. Huge wingspan. Um, can she shoot? Hard to say. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> Not last season. Maybe she put that DJ Burns work in in the summer. Yeah. But, yeah, we will see how they do. I'm excited to see her this season as well. Um, she was kind of like one of the vital people that were left on the team once everyone started leaving and people started getting hurt. Um, her and Isaiah James. So I'm interested to see how they will um, be a part of this team this year and what it's going to look like. Yeah, so for my player, I had uh, Lizzie Williamson circled, and then that got taken. And I had Tanaya Rivers uh, circled, and then she also got taken. Well, there's a whole team, <laughs> so don't worry. I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna double. I'm, I'm not gonna take yours, Lizzie Williamson, but I'm now, now that I'm, I'm gonna double down on Tanaya Rivers. You don't want to talk about Isaiah James? I mean, I kind of had my player, but okay, I mean, okay. <laughs> if you, if you want, um. I will. I will agree with you. You. She did have a, a little bit of an inefficient tournament, and then nothing at Princeton game. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, that happens. That happens. Um, but it looks like she did have a crucial role. Look to continue that this year. Um, for my game circled, I also I, I had the UConn one, but then I got yelled at. Can't can't take that one. Well, you <laughs> didn't know how to say Paige's last name. To be fair, I, think <laughs> I, I can't. How did say he say it? it? How do you say it? Bukers. Yeah. Paige well, I also, Bukers. I also said Robert and I wrong, and Griffin yelled at me about that. I, I kept saying. I very politely corrected you. I don't, there was a little bit of screw. I think Stone can vouch. His intake of women in sports media is clearly low. <laughs> yeah, the women in sports. Yeah, I was on Robert and that. Yeah, okay. You know what? May- maybe I have a reading problem. All right. Or I don't problem. think that's it. Okay. You know what? This is this is this is upsetting. Um, but yeah, and then I would say, um, for my game, I f- 
guess we'll just go Chapel Hill. I feel like that's a bit of a basic answer, but we lost to them last year. It was a terrible basketball game too. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully, yeah, that's well, a good one. Yeah. I think it's usually, I'll, that's usually my. I have one of my friends is a Chapel Hill like super fan, and that's usually the route that we go when we. I try to go when discussing basketballs because NC State women's team usually tends to do better against um, Chapel Hill than we do. Um, and as we lost last year, that was disappointing because that's usually my argument that I turn to when we discuss. This we've had a long episode, so we do have to end it. But I'll just quickly bring up one. It's Elon. It's like the day after my birthday, and we'll probably win. So that'll probably be a good game. Just for you go. as well. Isn't that the season opener? I guess Elon. No. No. Stone birthday. What's the season opener? Uh, your your game. Yeah. Charlotte's the season yeah. opener. Is there not the exhibition? Is maybe before, before I guess. that my, yeah. my the like, exhibition is there. my my fault not yeah. much and then we, we're at Notre Dame and they were very good mm-hmm. last year so awesome. that'll be interesting well uh, I think we are out of time so uh, thanks for sharing guys and we will see you all next week thanks for listening to Light It Red music in this podcast was Jonas Hipper's King of Sports and Vibe and Sneaky licensed under Creative Commons from the Free Music Archive